Thanks again for having us and allowing us to share. We're glad to be back in America. We were in Burma and then Syria and then back in Burma and then came here in July and have been traveling across the states. Our two girls, Sahaley and Suzanne. Sahaley was born here in Alaska 20 years ago and now at Texas A&M where they're enjoying school, drinking through the fire hose of school, playing on the polo team and more or less happy sometimes. But we all prayed and thought, you know, who sent us here? Who sent us here? Jesus. Okay, stay. And that just brings me right up to a story I, I want to I start with. Our work primarily is in Burma. We have over 100 relief teams in Burma. I've been there over 20 years. But five years ago, we were asked to respond to ISIS attacks in Iraq and Syria. And we take teams from Burma and go to Iraq and Syria. Now we have a team in Syria, a team in Iraq, and in Kurdistan, and 100 teams in Burma. And, we, and as a family, we go back and forth and pray where to be. So Syria, there was the last big battle against ISIS was from January to March 2019, last year, when there was this final stronghold. Now, ISIS still exists, and if you study what's going on in Syria and Iraq, you'll see at least once a week some ambush or some shooting by ISIS, but they control no space. Back in January to March, they did at a place called Bagus, the last stronghold of ISIS. And we fed over 25,000 people who came out of that and treated over 4,000 wounded because it was, a, it was a fight. But a lot of these were foreign fighters and their women and children. Some of the kids were born that day, mothers bringing them out or having to be carried out. Some were three months old, four months old. Many were shot and wounded. I remember a little girl, no arm, no eyelids. So her eyes were always open. Flies landing on her. It was horrible. And one woman who was nursing a baby here, no arm here and no leg here. Two traumatic amputations by an airstrike. So this is a, it was like hell in the desert. And we were doing our best to help. Now, many of these hardcore ISIS are not repentant and not grateful for any help. And they said, you know, we'd kill you if, we, if the roles were reversed. And I said, I know. The difference isn't we're better than you. The difference is Jesus. We're serving him. He's in our hearts. But sometimes they would attempt to attack us or attack my girls because we would go as a family. We had uh, four or five men medics from Burma and some foreign volunteers from America and then my family, two girls and, and Pete and Karen and a few other people, Hosanna and others you might know. So we're doing this work, and we have a circle of steel. It's our armored vehicles in a circle, and we are feeding people as they come out and treating wounded, and every now and then there's a gunfight or people blowing themselves up. So it's, it's a very um, tense situation. And again, most people are not saying thank you. They're saying, we'll kill you. I remember about five weeks into it, one night I, I saw my daughter, Suzanne. Her face got kind of tense, and she looked troubled. I said, what's wrong, what's wrong honey? And she said, I don't want to be here anymore. I said, why not? And she said, I'm not good enough to be here. Why aren't you good enough? I don't like these people, Dad. I don't like them at all. I said, they're not likable. They're not lovable. They threaten to kill you. They've been killing people all over the world. This is the, the, the focus group of what's left of one of the most vicious insurgencies and terrorist organizations in the world. They're not lovable. So when you face that, don't do that unless Jesus tells you. You're going to get smoked. So did, who, who brought you here? Was it just mom and dad and FBR, Free Burma Rangers? She goes, no. I, who brought you? Jesus. Well, then when Jesus sent you somewhere, he goes with you, and he gives you what you need. So let's pray. So we prayed, and she said, Jesus, please help me. Help my heart. If you want me here, I can't do it alone. 
Amen. And she smiled, wiped her tears away. I smiled. I, we both felt this load lifted from us, and we felt the love of Jesus pour through us. Wow. But we had to do that every single day. That's how weak we were and how vicious they were. But that's the message I want to give to you all is when you are faced by fear, don't just quit or don't just bull through. Fear is not your guide. But it's a check on your motives. Who, who, who's making me do this? Was this pride? Was this comfort I was after? Was this a big name I was after? Is what other Christians want me to do? Or is it Jesus? This is a good time to check it. And then if it's Jesus, say, I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. Lord, help me. We serve a supernatural Savior. It's not just a philosophy. He's an entity, a being that God sent to save us and help us every day. So just call on his name, in Jesus' name. And I want to show a video that my daughters made right after the Battle of Bagus, when they not only helped ISIS, but they befriended a girl, and befriended many, actually, who had been paralyzed by an airstrike. And you'll see a little bit about the situation there and what happened afterwards. Hi, my name is Suzanne Eubank, and this year, in February and March 2019, the Free Burma Rangers worked with the Syrian Democratic Forces to feed and treat wounded ISIS families as they fled Bagus, Syria, the last stronghold of ISIS. to provide blankets, medicine, and food to those who are fleeing. When I first met Rehad, she was laying on the ground just after fleeing Bagus, and our medics were treating her. Even though she had very severe burns, she was still smiling and occasionally would laugh with me. Her mother was also very grateful for all the help that we gave her. As I was loading her into the bus, I remember how I was scared that I would never see her again and how much I had actually grown to love her. I remember, as we said goodbye, her calling out my name and giving me a kiss on the cheek, and I started to cry. Nineteen April 2019, we're here in Bagus, Syria, the last stronghold of ISIS. Right here is an IED factory. You can see right here suicide vest, all live, ready to go. And then you see the factory itself, and you look over here, this is where families are all in these holes, all the way around. This is dead bodies under that there. Families all here. And up on top of that mountain, you see the flags now of the SDF and YPG. We were all up there. Here's more IEDs, wiring, other explosives small arms factory where ISIS dealt death and destruction on other people and finally on themselves. What's your name? My name is mm -hmm. Khadija. I'm David. Okay. And where are you from? Uh, I'm from Germany. You're from Germany. Yes. God bless you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Okay. What do you want to do now? Do you want to go home or do you want to be here? No. You want to stay here? Yes. Why? Um, what I do in Germany. What I do in Germany. Start a new life. 
I can also my not a new life. Okay, you wanna live here? <coughs> I don't know what to can with for my future. I don't know. Now I can I don't want like anything uh, uh not with my husband. Okay, I understand. I I, I, I have want a... like with him together, not right. alone. Right. When we were in Al Hall camp, a lady came up to me and started kissing me and hugging me, and I didn't recognize her until she introduced herself as Rahad's mother. Later, Rahad's mother was able to bring her from the hospital she was staying at so she could come meet us. We could only spend a few moments with her before we had to leave and she had to go back to the hospital. I hope that someday Rahad will be able to walk again and we'd be able to see her in her home in Iraq. Do a little drama and give a little gift. So is that okay if we do that for the children here? This is from Bulgaria. Uh, he came out from Baghuz when we were there. Uh, his parents died. When you have things that are too heavy to carry, ask him for help. Because he loves you. And how do you lose his legs? I've seen ISIS kill civilians. My dad and some of our team were wounded and some were killed. The evil of ISIS must be stopped. At the same time, we need to show Jesus' love and forgiveness, especially to the children, like Rahat. Thank you to everyone who supported and prayed for us on this last mission, so we could help people like Rahad and the orphans in Al Hall camp. gives you a, a picture of the last battle against the stronghold of ISIS and where they are now, many of them in this camp with no way out. And please pray for them, that their hearts would change. And also pray for the foreign governments to take their people back. A little kid growing up in this camp that only knows the Americans or somebody killed their dad, who was ISIS, but that doesn't mean anything to a, a one or two-year-old when they're five, six, and seven. Someone killed my dad, and now I'm in a prison here. Nobody cares about me. That's not going to change that person's heart to anything good. 
As one Kurdish commander said, that's the University of ISIS. We've got to do something. So please pray that we can have a solution that the gospel can go in the camps and also people can go out and go back to their homes, whether they've got to go to prison in another country, whatever the justice system means, but not stuck in this camp. So that's my request for y'all. Well, the line of good and evil isn't just between ISIS and everybody else in the world. It's in the human heart. And these things don't go away in, unless we have Jesus clean our hearts. And so in, in Syria, it looked kind of peaceful for a couple of months after ISIS was defeated. But after that, the Turks just north of Syria said, we don't like the Kurds getting so strong because Americans armed the Kurds to defeat ISIS. We don't like this minority group. The Kurds are the biggest minority group in the world without a country. And so the Americans said, no, 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 you can't bother the Kurds. They're our buddies. And we'll, but don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll work a deal where the American troops, just a few, about 50, about 500 total, but only about 50 in observation points, were on the Syrian and Turkish border. And the deal was the Americans told the Kurds, look, you can trust us. Back off, take your weapons out, dismantle all your defenses, and we'll be the buffer between y'all and the Turks, and that'll calm the Turks down. And the, the Kurds said, Really? You're not going to just leave us? You're not just going to abandon us and betray us? No, 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 we won't do that. you got to move back. So the Kurds moved the heavy weapons back, bulldozed their bunkers and their trenches, which they spent four years building, and trusted us. But on October, October the 9th, 2019, America changed its mind, and at midnight left. Four o'clock in the afternoon, October the 9th, the Turks invaded with their tanks. They're, they're the fifth largest military in the world. Leopard 4 tanks, modern battle tank, F-15s, F-16s, these are American aircraft, drones. And in front, they had a proxy force called the Free Syrian Army or the Syrian National Army. Many of them were ISIS because we saw that. And here they came. Over 200,000 people permanently displaced right now. 400,000 ran initially. Some could go back. 200,000 gone. Over 1,000 killed, mostly civilians, and thousands wounded. And we came into that as Freedom Rangers Pretty much shocked that our country had not only lied to the people, but had set them up this way. And people turned to me, are you an American? Why did you abandon us? Our daughters are raped. Our sons are killed. Our baby's dead. America, we did everything you asked to fight ISIS. We lost 14,000 men, which they did. We, and Americans only lost a few. We had you on our heads. We had you in our eyes. And I had to take that. It was a, it's a, I thought, this is a wound to my soul, but it's a wound to America's soul, whether we know it or not. When you lie to someone and betray them and death comes, we're responsible. And it wasn't just the Turks and the, the Free Syrian Army or the ISIS that came in and attacked. When America pulled back, the Russians came in from another, one side, the Syrian army came in, and then the Iranians got stronger. So it, it's a disaster. That was the context we were in. And so we're treating wounded, feeding civilians, and in the middle of all this, Zhao Sang from Burma, one of my videographers, and if you saw the Free Burma Ranger movie, he shot about a third of that movie, was killed right next to me by a Turkish strike. And two of my men were wounded, Muhammad also in the video, and a, a new medic named Jason. In the rear end, Muhammad, over 30 fragments here, but he's alive. And it, I, I was just missed getting killed because I was on the other side of the armored vehicle. And I turned and I saw Zhao, and he's an Asian guy from Burma, but he's an uncle to my, my kids. He helped raise them. He's a brother to me. And so I saw him, and he had a hole through his head by the size of my finger in his temple and out the back of his head. So that's a killing. That's it. He's dead. And he had a hole about the size of two of my thumbs through his neck. Took out everything in here. That would be just seconds, and you'd be dead. 
and he had a hole about that big in his back. But that one really didn't matter. He was already dead. And I looked at him, and I remember seeing he's dead. But I love him. I don't want to accept that. And I'm moving towards him. And before I could touch him, my eyes were drawn up. I don't know why, but they were drawn up. And I saw Zhao Sang's face in heaven. I know it was. And he's smiling at me like this. And turns his head and he laughs. And then it was gone. And I was like, wow, heaven happens that fast. It happens that fast. And when I looked at it, it was not a comforting feeling. It was a feeling of reality. Reality. And whatever was happening with him up there, he was in total joy, peace, freedom, and strength. And when he looked at me, he did not look with pity. He, the eyes weren't like, oh, you poor people down there. Oh, this is terrible. It's like, God is much bigger than that. Keep doing it. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. The things of this world are fatal, but they're not final. This is not the end of the story. It's important, as Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth it is in heaven. Keep doing this, but don't worry too much about it. Keep praising God and doing your best. And that's what I felt I saw. And I thought, wow, God, thank you. Thank you. But I want him back. Can you send him back? And I prayed, Jesus, please send him back. And we transported him. By then, we'd been pushed back by the Turks and the Free Sharon Army 30 kilometers, 20-something miles from the, from the border all the way back. And the hospital was now the front line. The hospital was only two miles away. So bullets and bombs and everything. We go in, take Zhao Sang to the hospital. Hundreds of patients, every day wounded. So everybody knew Zhao because Zhao was part of our team helping evacuate wounded. And he's filming everything. We put him on the operating table. They give him electric shocks. They put oxygen on him. They give him adrenaline. Everything you do in a modern hospital to try to resuscitate somebody. And I'm doing CPR on him. Nothing. Flatline. An hour and a half of this, and the Kurdish doctor puts his hand on my arm and says, is it enough? And I said, it's enough. He said, I said, you knew he was dead when we brought him in, didn't you? He goes, yeah, he was dead before you brought him in. But we kept working on him because he's like our son. He came all the way from Burma, and he gave his life to us. And we kept working on him because you loved him so much, and we love you. Wow. That night, we went right back to the front line. We put Zhao in a body bag and started, had part of my team take care of that. I went back to the front because the fighting was going on. It wasn't just Zhao that got killed. There were three college-age girls making a video of the attack to tell the news, and they were smoked, dead. I don't know where their parents are even. And there was many others killed that night. And so we're back at the front line, and the, the Kurdish commander said, man, you just lost your guy. You're not leaving? I said, no, I'm not leaving. He's in heaven. I can't do anything about it anyways. But what I can do is what right in front of me. Right in front of me is what I can do. And I just want to add this. Don't be led by the, all the possibly bad things that can happen or things that already happened. Be led by the opportunities God gives you. When you read the 23rd Psalm, towards the end it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We have enemies around us our whole lives. You're not going to get away from it. There is no safe place. It's not going to happen. But we have a choice. You can look at your enemies, you can look at your threats, or you can look at what God gave you. That's, a, that's our choice. And the writer of the psalm, David, said, I'm looking at that. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And so we were out there with the Kurds. We, I was crying, and I was heartbroken, and I still cry for him. But I got things to do, man. There's things to do, and I know he's okay. I know in my head he's okay. And we can live well with sorrow. Can't live well with shame. So keep going in the things God gives you. 
when we came back here to America, I asked God, what, I, what am I going to share? And I felt God gave me three things. One is God is bigger than everything, and Jesus is the answer to every problem. Praise him and call on his name. Satan, and our little mo- Satan hates praise, and our little minds are healed by it. Try it. No matter what happens, just the other day, we had some, my daughter had something happen that really made her mad and everything was wrong. And I said, okay, we've done all we can to fix it. We can't do anything more. Just praise God. And we praise him. Then something happened to me right after that, and I didn't want to praise God either. I remember saying, Dave, you just told your daughter to praise God. Can you do it? I don't want to. Try it. I did, and the first thing that happened is my spirit lifted. Second, God came up with another way, another plan. I was like, wow. This is the power of our creator. And so that's the first one. God's bigger than everything. Keep praising Jesus. Number two, take the log out of your own eye so that you can better take the speck out of someone else's. We're not going to be in the right attitude to help anyone if we don't know the truth of ourselves and Jesus clean us out. But it's very active so that you can better help take the speck out. It's not just like, oh, I don't care what happens to you. Let me help you, man. And the last one, stay in your lane. Only do and say what God has you do. But if he has you do something, you better do it with all your might because that's his command. And, and your comfort is he's with you. He's not, gonna, he's not fire and forget. He's with you. You're going to feel his power as you do and say what he wants. And then after I've been in America about a week, someone gave me, we, we climbed a mountain in the northwest called Mount Shuxon. Karen and I's first date 27 plus years ago. And we came down off the mountain and one of my team members, a guy named John Moore, our webmaster, he said, Dave, I had these strange words came to me. They're from the Bible, but it's a strange construct. I don't know where it is, but God told me to tell you these words. And then later he found them. It's Isaiah 8, 12. And there's different ways of writing it, but do not call it a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread what they dread. Or in my, in my version, it's do not fear what this people fears. Do not call it a conspiracy. Do not dread what they dread. And though that, everybody has to interpret that the way you feel God leads you. But for me, it meant don't get in the fear. Don't get in the swirl. Keep doing what God has you do. When you hit an obstacle, pray. It doesn't move. Move around it and keep going. And God has something for each of us to do. It's not the same thing. We all have different responses and different responsibilities. Because as we ask God what to do and surrender to him, He's going to show us. We are here for just another week, going out to Port Allsworth, and then back, and then back to Lower 48, and some speaking in D.C. Please pray for that. We spent a week in D.C., and then other places around the country. Say goodbye to our girls in October, and right now we plan to go back to Syria and then Burma. Before I close, I have one more prayer request, and that's for a guy named Mohammed. Mohammed was an Iraqi soldier with me in the Battle of Mosul, became a follower of Jesus in the middle of the battle. And the month after he became a follower of Jesus, he was shot six times say, trying to save my translator who was killed. If you've seen the documentary, Muhammad is the guy that says, where are these people from? He's Rocky. They are from China, Korea. What? They're from Burma. Wow. He's very big. That's how he talks. Amazing guy. Very brave. Well, we baptized him in the, in the Tigris River after the battle of Mosul was over. But just today, while going down to Baghdad, because he's, he's one of our team leaders in Iraq, he was captured by the Secret Service. Now, if you know the situation in Iraq, 
it's almost civil war. There's all kinds of factions and all kinds of armies. He got captured by one of them. He's being held right now. I believe only the power of Jesus is going to get him out. And so I have a request, dear church family, please pray and please join me. Father, we have no power to set Muhammad free. You've already set his heart and soul free, but we ask for his body, Lord, intact. He's got a wife and four girls back in Erbil in the north in Kurdistan. And I pray for how to pray, and I say in Jesus' name, bonds come off, doors open, and he goes home, and he goes home with more friends. And I ask that. And Lord, for any of us listening to this that have problems just too big, like Muhammad's problem, whether it's health, relationship, job, politics, anything that's too big for us, thank you that you're bigger than that. And we say, Satan, out of our business. We are believers. You don't have any right in our business. And Jesus, please come in, forgive us, heal us, and solve our problems in your name. Amen. Thank you.